0: everybody this is Sandra Beck and i'm here with my good friend Allison Carmen and i want to tell you a story about Allison Carmen's first book before we talk about her second book a year without men and Allison wrote this great book what was it Allison 2012 2013 2014 2014 okay so 2014 she writes this book called the gift of maybe right and the book comes out i get a copy from my publisher and i think I don't have a problem with maybe. What is maybe about? And during this time, I had buried my mother. I had ended a 15-year marriage. I had a three-month-old and a three-year-old. And I was suddenly soul-supporting and found myself in lawsuits and custody disputes and uh, Department of Children and Family Services disputes with my ex who had a significant challenge that he posed to the safety, security, the privacy, the everything in my life. So here I am thinking, I don't need this book of maybe, but you know what? I'll take it in the tub where I do my reading and I'll take a read. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, Allison, you are talking to me. I made these choices because I was thinking that they were risk averse. This person would never leave me. This this company would never go under all of these things. I realized I had made all these choices and I did a radical rebuild of my personal life, my professional life. At 50, you know, or 46 years old, I got certified as a fitness instructor and I started teaching at a gym while I run a tech company. Unheard of. I decided to change my tech company from being building websites and advising on internet brand strategy and employing moms to work from home in the tech fields. I slid that over into a multimedia production company. Big, big risks, Allison. And I realized my inability to take a risk to manage uncertainty was keeping me small so 2013 your book comes out boom chugaluga all of a sudden now i'm fully supporting my kids i got my house out of foreclosure i'm able to pay for my car and my kids car like things are sunny, warm, and wonderful because I stopped being afraid of taking a risk. stopped being uncertain. So I want you guys to get the gift of maybe. And then I want you to buy her new book, which is very pretty, super cool. It's a 12 uh, point guide to inspire and empower women. It's called a year without men, Allison Carmen with two a-L-L-I-S-O-N, Carmen, C-A-R-M-E-N, you're going to want to get both copies, read maybe first, and then go on to The Year Without Men. They're not super thick. They're easy to understand. They're simply written. They're powerful books that you will be glad that you have in your bookshelf, and you will recommend them over and over and over like I did. So Allison, can you live up to like that introduction to you?
1: <laughs> I think I'm just going to let you keep talking. I <laughs> <laughs> So tell us your story.
0: (laughs) You know, tell us your story. You have an amazing story.
1: Um, Well, the gift of maybe um, was written because, you know, very, you and I have a lot of similarities, but I was addicted to certainty for most of my life. And if I didn't know what was going to happen next in my life, I projected things were going to be bad or they weren't going to work out. So like many people, what I did is I wrote a story and, you know, looking back, it's a story of safety. I'm going to get a law degree. I'm going to get a job at a really large law firm, marry this great guy, and then I'm going to be set.
0: And, life and you is going to be taxes. Hard. Like, let's, let's, yeah, like, I that's take my taxes favorite because, part. Yeah,
1: Could it be bro, any
0: boring and, you know, like boring, like but certain. my
1: dad told
0: me that people will
1: always need you. They'll always need you. So I was set. And I remember actually walking to to work my first day as a lawyer, thinking, I've arrived. And then, of course, I get to work and find out they're firing half the first years. And I was a first year. And they didn't fire me. But that experience of believing if something happens, you'll be okay. When that's taken from you, you kind of just spin out of control. And then I had this realization that life had uncertainty, but I couldn't handle it. And I spun out for many years until one day, I heard this beautiful story and I'm, I'm going to tell the story to your listeners because yeah. I, I just think it's such a moving story and it's about a farmer and it's a Taoist story. So it, the, in a Taoist tradition, things are neither good or bad, but for me from, I'm from the West. So everything I look at, you know, doesn't have hope or doesn't have hope. Right. So he, um, my teacher tells me a story about a farmer who has a horse and the horse runs away and his neighbor comes by and says, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, Maybe. But the next day, the horse comes back with five mares and the neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, you have the best luck. And the farmer says maybe. But the next day, the farmer's son is on the horse. He falls off and breaks his leg. The neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says maybe. But the next day, the army comes to take the son to war and they can't take him because his leg is broken. And the neighbor comes by and says to the farmer, you have the best luck. And the farmer says maybe. And in the Taoist tradition, it again, it means things that are neither good or bad. But for me, I was always so worried that the horse was going to run away that it never (laughs) occurred to me like things were bad or I just lost a client or a relationship's bad. It never occurred to me that the next day five mayors could come back. You can get a new client. There could be a new opportunity. There could be a new possibility. So this idea of maybe, you know, it sounds so simple, but it took me from this place where I didn't want to take the risk. I didn't think I was going to be okay. I projected fear, I projected worry. And it made me see that when something happens, we don't know. And, and when the unknown is in front of us, it has hope, it has possibility, it has potential. And when I stopped fearing the unknown through this idea of maybe my life just opened up, I took more risks. I, I lived with less stress and worry. I created more and I was really rocking. And I, and I was like, wow, this is, this is a great life. And then you know as my second book talks about on June 30th 2018 my husband came home and and told me he was leaving me out of the blue and i remember in that moment that it was scorched earth i i felt like someone had pulled my arm off like like it was over and it was interesting because i wasn't even thinking about uncertainty like when you're hurt that much you're not thinking about uncertainty you're thinking about nothing you're thinking about how can i breathe the next moment right but the interesting connection is You know, I'm two days into this horrific situation in my life. I feel like everything has fallen apart and I'm in bed. I'm not sleeping. And I turn my head and there's that book. There's the gift of maybe. I kept it by my bedside and I went into the bathroom and I I hadn't slept. I couldn't even see straight. And I started to flip the pages of my book. And I see that on page six, I listed my biggest fears. And one of them was, would my husband always love me? I don't remember putting that in there. I don't remember how it got there. But in that moment, I had this like realization in my head, not in my heart, like, oh, I still have maybe. And it was a very strange moment to know that your life has fallen apart. Right. And then I started doing the maybe practice. What's my biggest fear? My husband's going to leave me. Uh, we're not going to work it out. My kids are not going to be okay. And then I started to ask myself, are you absolutely certain that fear is true? And the thing about fear is that it feels so real. But when you ask, when you cast certainty on it, are you absolutely certain that fear is true? You can't be certain about anything. So we're so ready to like, you know, kind of go against our dreams, but we never challenge our fears, right? So if you're not certain your fear is true, what else is there? And I remember that night I did these maybe statements, maybe my husband, I would work it out. Maybe my kids would be okay. And then I had this moment where I said, maybe my husband will really leave me. And maybe I can accept it and find a way to live. And it was a very profound moment, even though, again, I didn't feel it in my heart. Maybe again, it just reminds you that if you're able to handle the unknown, you're going to keep getting up every day and expanding. And you were the perfect example of that. You just told the story that down and out, things looked like they weren't happening. And you realized that it wasn't you. It was your relationship with uncertainty. If right? you're willing not to know, look, When we, we think we, you know, we're all afraid we're not okay. Right. And, and we believe that if we could just find a way to have certainty, everything will work out. But what happens is when you pick certainty, you find out life's still uncertain and right. the choice you made usually leaves you at the short end of the stick. So look, when you just shifted it and you're like, I'm not playing the certainty game anymore. I'm going to go for my heart's desire. And I going to life has maybe it opens up. And even though my husband left me and it was the worst experience of my life, my commitment to maybe over anything else is the reason why I'm here today, new possibilities, new successes, new opportunities, but only because I am willing to say what I don't know is my best friend.
0: Right. And I will say, that didn't happen overnight. Like for for women listening today, like when you, when your marriage falls apart, we'll just use that as an example, or somebody dies, like my mom died the two months after my divorce was final and I lost my best friend and I lost my marriage. And I had this certainty, Allison, that we would grow old together. Maybe our marriage wasn't perfect, but we had made the commitment, you know, and that was the hardest thing of going like, and I did buy into the illusion of certainty. I knew if I worked really hard, I was certain I could make money. I knew if I was, you know, really tried hard on a date, I could make that person like me. Like, you know, I was certain of the things I could do. And so I was certain I could, you know, get my master's degree, all these certainties I had, but they That was an illusion. Those were like fake certainties. The certainties, like what I, I took my health for granted, you know, and I had a, whatever, a 12 month battle, you know, with a very severe metastatic malignant cancer. Thankfully, I'm no evidence disease. I'm all good today. But that was a huge thing, Allison, of going, I used to be certain about my health. Now I'm not. I used to be certain about my marriage. Now it's gone. And That type of stuff. And I love how you, you are so brave in your book, Because you talked about really what it was like. And some people might say, oh, that was so dramatic. It's only because you weren't there. Like there are times that we as highly educated, successful, powerful women cry on the bathroom floor and we walk around in a daze for weeks because our husband that we trusted and counted on to be there for us and love us above all else just took a suitcase during your birthday and walked out. Like these are things that... No one would no one would believe them if you wrote it in a TV show. They'd be like, people don't really do that. People don't wake up. And then they make all these value judgments of like, well, you were just in denial. You didn't see it. Well, you know, some people are really good at hiding their feelings. And if your spouse, partner, friend, business partner doesn't want you to see something, a real good chance you're not going to because they've actually made a concerted effort for you not to see these things. So before you can jump into tackling uncertainty and the power and really getting the benefit of the power of maybe the gift of maybe you got to heal. And that takes time. Uh, so, absolutely, takes, so, I was a mess for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I look, I still have a lot of pain in my heart. I have a lot of potential, I have a lot of hope, but yeah, the pain takes a long time, but you know, what's so interesting that you just said, mm-hmm. people say you must've known something. There's something about the unexpected that freaks people out. And I believe that people say that to me because if they were to believe that their life could change so drastically in one moment, how would they breathe themselves? That's right. And I have to tell you, and and it's really interesting. And it was actually a guy who said that to me, uh, said something to me recently said, you know why you didn't know, Allison? you didn't know because that's not the lens, how you see your life. Sure. I never thought it was possible that my husband would leave me because I thought we were in this marriage. He was my family. And like you said, just like yours, we'd grow old together. We would share our grandchildren. It wasn't even a possibility. right? So if, if somebody was moody or they were having a bad day, it was, they were moody and having a bad day. Like that was just like So right. I think we all have to be careful that sometimes our fear of uncertainty blocks us from able to see other people's suffering as well. Like these are real stories. Like we're two women and look, we, we have a very similar story and we're not the only women out there that life has the unexpected. But the thing is, if we live fearing that moment, we're never going to really know who we are. We're never going to dig deep. We're never going to start businesses. We're never going to go for that job. We're never going to speak up that need to know. You're right. It's an illusion. But what's worse than it being an illusion, it keeps us from our greatest self.
0: Absolutely. And and when you're able,
1: so yeah, this is a long path back, but that idea of maybe and that idea of being friends with uncertainty and realizing if you want your life to change, it has to happen in the unknown. It's life changing because it allows you to sit in an uncomfortable moment, sit in a sad moment, sit in a painful moment, and you could still feel it. But at the same time, you know that life changes and you know that with with change is possibility. And with possibility, there's potential. So it kind of helps you stay in the process, but also have hope. It's like a hope without attachment. I don't know how this is going to change. I have so many days still where I'm like, I don't know how this is going to change, but I know life changes. And I know within that changes, maybe within maybe is potential and possibility. And it's not only bad things that unexpected people think the unexpected only brings bad things. But the unexpected also brings miracles and blessings and new businesses and new relationships. So we just have to be willing to kind of engage in that. And that's when life changes.
0: Right. And you got to sit with it for a while. You know, I was married, you know, whatever, 12 years, you were married 27 years. So that's not going to like pop out overnight, you know, and I know that the women and the men who are Mm -hmm. listening, you know, to today's show are going to tune in because of our stories, because they're going through the same thing. Why would you listen to this if you weren't? So I want to give you a piece of advice from the cheap seats, which is when your partner up and leaves like this, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a a life partner, you know, and they tell you you're selfish and they tell everybody around you, not you, but everybody else around you, all their unhappinesses. And, you know, she did this and she did that. And she did, because I found out it from neighbors. I found it from common friends. What I didn't hear it from was my husband. Okay. And I, I need everyone to know that after many years of therapy and many years of interviewing people on this subject and reading every book under the sun, It is the responsibility of your spouse to tell you they're unhappy so you can do something about it. If they don't tell you what's going on with them and they get up and walk out one day, they are a flipping coward. I don't care if they're a man. I don't care if they're a woman. I don't care if they want their happiness. They made a commitment to you that includes communicating to you their needs. So I'm going to put this out to my ex, to your ex and to every other ex out there that got up one day and blindsided a spouse, because if you believe you're selfish, if you believe you didn't see your spouse was unhappy, it's because they didn't bring it up to you. And they didn't make it clear to you. So you could have done something to have a different outcome. And I'll tell you, they didn't want to, because it's too hard to go to somebody and tell you that you need something puts them at a disadvantage. Oh, I'm needy now. And the big thing, Allison, and I'll get off my soapbox is you should have known. You should have known I needed these things. Well, here's the thing. I have an IQ in the triple digits. I have a genius IQ, Allison, and I'm in, you know, can can prove it with all these tests under the sun, but I'm not a flipping mind reader. So if I don't know what's going on in your head and you don't tell me, baby, that's on you. And I'm here to, to, say that because I read in your book, how, how, you know, you were called selfish and I was called selfish and, and people have told me that, you know, what you didn't know, you didn't see it. You were too busy at work. You were blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Raising, raising kids, you know, having a household, paying bills, making dinner, doing laundry. Yeah. So yeah, I was too busy to read my ex's mind, but all of that is part of the hurt that comes, that sticks with us. And I can tell you, I have a domestic violence charge against my ex-husband. I can tell you for a fact, it is far easier to get punched in the head than to have words in your head and your heart that stay with you long after the bruise phase. And there's it, sorry, that was just my very passionate, you know, blowout for today's show.
1: But can I tell you, it's one of the most important things I think that we could have both shared today is that, you know, I remember my husband called me up and said, well, you know, we, we, we had problems. And I'm like, there's difference between having problems and leaving. I yes. didn't realize we had problems, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and, and I think it's important because I think especially women where, where everywhere in society were made to feel smaller or not as successful, not as equal. And so when someone does it when they leave you and they call you selfish, right? you believe it right and and the problem is is that when you believe the things that are told to you that don't make you feel strong that don't make you feel empowered you're kind of like at the end of the line how are you going to move forward with that feeling of smallness with that feeling of i'm not good enough and it's my fault and out of all the things that that happened to me you know was that mantra and you know it it came to me at four o'clock in the morning i went through was i selfish i you know i i cooked. I took care of the kids. I helped him with his health. I went through a list and list and list of things. And I'm like, how was I selfish? And then it just came to me that just because he says it doesn't mean it's true. And I think for us as women, if we don't get that through our heads, we are going to believe every bad thing that's ever said to us. And again, it sounds so simple, but that mantra, what it does, it reminds you, wait a second, I have to go back to me. What's true for me? What do I know? And it doesn't mean you're never going to listen to anybody, but right. if you don't question what you hear in this lifetime, you will shrink. You will be taken under the current and you won't be able to achieve the things that you need in your lifetime. And and so the only reason Sandra and I are here today able to be where we are is because we chose not to believe it.
0: Right? right but we I did it first. You know, yeah, I so did it at so first, did I. I believed all these, you know, here's the person that promised to love you. Here's the person that, you know, you trusted most in the world saying these awful things about you. Of course, you're going to listen. Of course, you're going to hear them. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm not leaving. I'm not the one packing up and giving up. I'm not the one that chose to replace you with someone else. Who's the selfish one here? You're calling me selfish, but you're projecting you're the actual selfish one. And the other thing it did, and this is the thing about this negative, you know, in a divorce or in a breakup or in a partnership breakup, when one of them starts lodging like big negative snowballs at you, You know, to excuse their behavior or throw you off the scent or whatever it is, the thing you have to remember, especially in a marriage or in any partnership, the responsibility for happiness and joyful coming together, whether it's a business partner or a life partner. It's not your responsibility, Allison. It's not mine. It's ours. It's Absolutely. together. And as women, we make the mistake of taking the responsibility of the happiness and okay. the family on our shoulders. So you're okay. worried about your kids. You're worried about your husband. You know, you're not thinking about yourself and you're trying to make a happy life. Why? Because that's what we were trained to do. As young girls, what did we do? We took a baby doll. We didn't whip her down the street and buy a sports car. We put her in the bassinet. We pushed her around. We dressed her. We made sure she was happy. And then we took Barbie and Ken. And what does Barbie do in my Barbie dream house? Okay. And this is not anti-men. This sounds like we're bashing men, but we're not. But Barbie in my dream house cooked a flipping dinner for Ken. Did Ken get up and do the dishes? Did Ken set the table? No, Ken sat at the table like the king. Why? Because that's what I learned. And that might work for some marriages that might work for some people, but Allison, it didn't work for me. And okay. so I made the mistake of thinking the responsibility of the happiness of all of my family members was on me. And that's right. faulty thinking that's wrong. I, first of all, I can't control anybody else's happiness, but when people are selfish and when they do things like abandon work partnerships or abandon marriages, that falls right into the wheelhouse of you didn't make me happy, so I'm leaving.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. And I, and I think that many women, again, it's, it's not against men. Not all men are like this, but I, I think that women are especially susceptible to this because of how we're brought up. I was brought up to think, look, I have a law degree, a master's of law degree, but I was brought up to think that I needed to find a husband and it was my job to make everybody happy for sure. And then when people, so then when you're blamed in the end, right, you believe it. And yeah, it's like, you have to kind of undo all those thoughts. But for me, like the process of, of not believing what someone else says is true. And then also You know, the idea of trust, like we need to trust we'll be okay, no matter what, but all these things really loop back to uncertainty. If you really think about it, like being willing not to know, I I'm willing not to know myself so I can get to know myself, right? I'm willing to go into a new situation because I realize that a new situation bring good things true too. So it all merges your trust, your ability to kind of not believe what other people say, it kind of ties into the unknown, right? Because without that good relationship with the unknown, we're not going to be able to take any step after we decide we trust ourselves or we won't be able to take any step after we realize, well, just because that person says it doesn't mean it's true. But if you're so afraid of uncertainty, you're not going to make a move. So, because well, oh,
0: it ties in, it ties yeah. in perfectly with confidence. You know, I have, I'm a leadership expert. I talk about confidence till the sun comes up and down. And where does confidence come from? Confidence comes from the ability to navigate uncertainty. So, if you are uncertain, You're not going to have confidence. If you don't have confidence, you cannot try. You cannot, you know, I have a a conversation with my kid going to school today because he and the the dad are having a, a lot of trouble, you know, a lot of fighting and arguing. And he didn't know if the dad was going to show up at school or not. And he got really nervous. And I said, kid, be confident. He's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, you don't, but you will figure it out. Like if you can, if you can handle that, you don't know if dad's going to show up at school and yell at you or pick you up after school and yell at you, and you're not going to like it, you know, it's a very small prosaic kind of example, but telling yourself, because this is what I had to do, whatever happens, I can handle it. You know, when I had to go to court eight years, I spent in court with my ex, you know, on and off for a variety of different things, you know, can I handle this? I had to tell myself I could. Was I lying to myself sometimes? Absolutely. But I had to force my belief that I could handle whatever comes my way. And that's what experience gives us. That's why people with experience have more confidence than those who don't. Nobody has experience with, you know, their husband walking up and, you know, getting up one morning and walking out of your life. Maybe you have that once in your life. Maybe if you're unlucky, you have twice. But this is not something we can get good at, (laughs) Allison. Like, you know. It's not like we can practice this or like today, I'm going to pretend my husband walked out. My whole world fell apart. How am I going to handle it? Like we don't do this, but what we do have is transferable skills. And that's one of the things with managing uncertainty that I really hung my hat on after I read your book. I'm like, you know what? I've been through corporate shutdowns. I've been through corporate downsizing. I've had a couple um, miscarriages. I've had, you know, family members die. So these are the life things that I've been to. I think I can transfer some of those skills. And that's the thing. When we look at our relationship or our primary relationship or partnership, we think we don't have any skills. Like that was the first thing that when when my marriage imploded and all of a sudden I'm looking at this three month old, and this three year old, and he's got his whole life all set up. He's got the new person to go to, the place to move in. You know, he had every all his ducks lined up, and I'm like absolutely Allison floored and scared to death. And then I remember my father because my biggest thing, Allison, it was like, how am I going to keep my house? How am I going to keep my house? And you know, what my dad said, he goes. That's what you're worried about. He goes, you've been paying the bills for 15 years. You've been, this is going to be better for you because you have one less mouth to feed. You have one less person to drag you down and take care of. But my whole psyche was like, oh my God, Allison, I can't do this if I'm not married, but I was carrying the burden anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how
0: crazy our thinking can get.
1: Absolutely. Because we're thinking that we need someone else to be okay. We need this job to be okay. We need this relationship to be okay. We need this thing to happen to be okay. And that's when you're looking at your life and you're like, I could handle this. What happens? Why people get overwhelmed? Is they're like, oh, I have these other experiences. I'm going to shut up and be okay. But then if we fear the unknown, the mind starts going, well, what if it goes bad? And, and what if it doesn't work out? And what if they say this to me? And what if they say that to me? And then we get so bogged down by the fears and the facts that we can't kind of cross over. And, and that's why that, that may be practice. Again, it's so simple, but it just clears your mind. Yes, Because what you do is you, you could write every fear down, even if you want to, like there have been times where I've literally spent 20 minutes in a very neurotic, anxiety-ridden state, and I've written every possibility down that I could possibly think of but when you ask yourself again if you're absolutely certain any of those fears are true you can't be sure you're going to lose the client you can't be sure another one's not going to come in tomorrow you can't be sure you're never going to meet somebody you can't be sure you're not going to figure out a way to to pay your mortgage and then when you realize like okay well i'm i'm not doomed like that's the thing we all think we're if I, if i can't be certain i what else is there right and then you you actually build the muscle and i think that's what you're talking about you build the muscle to say I know that I've handled things before or life has maybe and things always seem to work out. You kind of find this way to just be present and show up that day. That's the thing. Part of life is just showing up, right? We don't realize it. You know, we think life is the same every day, but it's not. We can't see change happening. Life is always changing. And if we, I always say, stay on the playing field. If you could stay on the playing field and show up every day and just be present and say, I have no idea, but here I am something else is going to happen. And we just got to have to keep digging and digging and digging. And I think you and I, we had this event where we actually thought life was over. Like I couldn't even in my head think about how would I manage without him? How would I afford my bills? I thought I was going to lose my home. I had set up my life financially that we would be together. So, you know, it's, it's it's so many things you worry about your kids. You worry about your
0: finances. You worry about, I, I, I've stopped driving mental health. You know, my mental health took a big turn for the worse. And, you know, I want to go back and touch on something you said, because I would hear this a lot in the self-help, you know, things I was listening to in the books I was reading. And they're like, yeah, stay mindful, stay present. You know, like I couldn't even figure out what that was. And then when I finally figured it out, I want to teach it every chance I get. The easiest way to think about is don't time travel in your brain. Like when you're thinking, because if you time travel forward to the like what ifs or, you know, how is this going to happen or whatever, you know, the future is not written. Time traveling forward just creates anxiety because you can't do anything about it. And then if you time travel backwards, like you think back, like, oh my gosh, this happened or why did this, you know, I, you know, that time traveling backward, that makes you feel small. That creates regret that creates, you know, beating yourself up for the mistakes you made. So it's really, unless you're with a therapist or maybe in a journal for a very finite period of time, going back in time or going too far ahead in time is no good. So that's what mindful means that what staying present means. It's keeping your thoughts. What can I do today to get me to where I want to be? That's staying present. And the other thing I'm just going to say, because I got stuck for like almost a whole year, Allison. I couldn't, I kept teaching vision boards. How, how you like hypocritical is this? I'm teaching vision boards. When I went to sit down and do my own vision board I had nothing, bump Just zero, like, couldn't think of what to stick on there. Like, you know, this whiteboard tormented me for months in my office. And it was because I got stuck, Allison, and I want to know if you did too, or maybe you still are with, I don't like this and I don't want this and I'm resisting it. And that really messed me up. I think it was about year or four, three or four in my journey. You know, I'm about year 11 or 12, maybe 13 out, you know, depending on when you clock, you know, start the clock. Um, But I wasted a lot of time with, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't want this happening. And I kind of stayed stuck in this little limbo of going, I'm not going to plan anything for the future because I can't see the future. The future is terrifying and frightening. I'm not going to go back in the past because it's too painful. I'm just going to kind of stick like a mule and just hold on to, I don't like this. I don't want this.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's very common. I can't tell you how many times like those, those feelings come up, but what, what, what happens to me is that I realize that somehow I'm linking to expectations somehow. When I start to get that, I, I am going back in the past because I'm saying that the other life would have been better. This is not the life I would have yes. asked for. I didn't want this, but what happens I find 10 is that I, you know, I start to sink. I start to stop creating. I, I stop imagining and I stop embracing the blessings. You know, there's this great cup uh, card in the tarot deck and I pull it quite often, and it's this man, and he's wearing this black cloak. And behind him are um, three cups that are no, there are three cups that are down, and he's kind of looking at them. But behind them, there are two cups that are still standing. And so what I do is I try to look at what's still standing, what's still around me, what's still possible. Who am I? What are my dreams? What are my intentions? And drop that expectation because it's really the it, the reason why I say I don't like this. Da 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 da. It is connected yeah. back to the life that I thought I was going to have. And so at some point, the life you thought you were going to have is going to stand away in it in the way of the life that's waiting for you. Absolutely. So, yeah. So for me, I'm always very aware of that. And when that feeling comes up, I question it. I say, are you looking at the blessings? Are you looking at the gratitude? And are you still talking about a life that's no longer in front of you? You know what I'm saying? It's just if right. it, it, you just can't. And so I realized that when I get like that, it's me. And, and again, this has nothing to do with pain. Pain takes a long time. Like, you know, I, I remember I was on an interview last week and someone was like, do you think this is like the best thing that ever happened to you? And I'm like, no, I don't. But I'm making the best of it. You know, I, I think people want me to tell the story that the pain is gone, but life's not like that. But just because I have pain doesn't mean I can't have joy. Doesn't mean I can't have blessings. Doesn't mean I can't create. But that whole thing is like I try not to get into the conversation of I don't like this. It's almost like I accept this, and and what can I make from it? That that's of that the perspective. Yeah, takes that time, that and takes also time. pain takes time. Pain takes oh. time. You know, you can't. You can't push your way out of this. You could almost like process your way out of it. But no, and that's like the eight... difference
0: between intellectualizing and feeling it. That's why journaling does so good. I pour my feelings out in my journal. It doesn't need to be given to anyone. Sometimes I've I've ripped them in half, put one in a Target garbage can, one in a Walmart so people couldn't put it together. Like, you know, things like that. But I think, Allison, I I want to fast forward to you now. Let's just pretend, even though we're not supposed to time travel, 10 years from now, I can look you in the eye and say the most painful, awful experience of my life, which was, you know, my husband leaving, my mother dying, my foreclosure, you know, all of those things that happened. The absolute worst time in my life was the best thing for me. Now, But that took a decade for me to be able to say that because now I have the comfort of looking back and going, wow, you wouldn't have switched into your multimedia business. You wouldn't have, you know, these deals. You wouldn't be flying all over the world. You would be sitting home because now what's great. And this is this is gets really fun and no disrespect to remarriages. But when you get to watch your spouse go into a new marriage and see all the lunacy It's like front row movie at a popcorn fest where you're just laughing and going. Now, granted, people change and people do different things, but zebras don't change their stripes. Like a zebra is still going to be a zebra. It can put a hat on or a puka shell necklace or a bracelet on its hoof. You know, it can do all these things, but it's still going to be what it's going to be. And Every once in a while, when I'm feeling down about my current life, because we crave normal and that was our old normal, you know, and that was familiar, didn't mean it was good for us but it was familiar and when you enter into a new relationship or a new company you'll be like oh this is different i don't know if i like this or not and you actually have to think about it and feel it in your heart and check it in your gut like head check heart check gut check you know because your your trust is broken and your trust in yourself is broken and that's that's the thing that takes a while to restore but now i can look back and see 10 years of unfolding and going wow great radio career. She's writing a book. She's meeting all these wonderful people like you, Allison, that I never would have met in a million years. Mm -hmm. If my husband didn't walk out that day, I would be still living in the house, taking care of the kids, pandering to his ego, you know, living a small life so he could feel good about his life. So yeah, 10 years later, after the hurt has passed, after everything settled down and kind of into a new normal, would I ever go back to that life? Never in a million years. Do I miss it ever anymore? No. What I missed was the normalcy, the familiarity, because when this happens to you, everything changes. It does, but it doesn't. Your hair is still the same. Your comforter is still the same. The one that you didn't get rid of, you know, these things are still the same, but everything's different. It's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost like an alternate reality experience because your, your life shifts so much, but yet your kids are still there your comforter is still the same, but everything is now different. And that's psychologically challenging. So I think what we want, Allison, when we want that old normal back, we want that feeling of peace and security, even though it was false. That's what we want. We don't want the person.
1: Right. Yeah. But but I also have to say like, you made the best of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you could have taken another turn. Sure. I I just think like you're somebody that, you know, you went deep into self-improvement. sounds like you went for therapy. You went full on because you and you fully engaged in the unknown. Right. So so that's really an interesting thing. Like if if we don't kind of challenge ourselves. Right. Our lives can become smaller because you could have told if, if you were a different person, there are people you know, that, that don't recover and, and it's very hard to recover and it takes a lot of work to recover. So I think that the, the path, right. From where you were to where you are is, a, you know, a lot of faith, right. A lot of dedication, a lot of gratitude, a lot of hard work. It, it, it's a kind of like life practice, like a very deep life practice and transformation. And I think you're the perfect example of what can happen. If when the worst thing in your life happens and you stay with you,
0: you commit to you,
1: you belong to you and you do the work. And I, I, I sound
0: so good and so romantic and so smart. The reality of it, Allison, is I had to go, I foreclosed on my, my place and I had to go clean it out. And of course, you know, there's nobody to help me. I stashed my kids with somebody who would watch them while I clean out my old life. And I decided to stop at the Grand Canyon on the way back. So I was sitting, not jumping. I was just sitting at the Grand Canyon, literally like just on the ground, looking at thinking there's, you know, ages, millennia, this can't be that bad, you know, doing this whole thing. And honest to God, a bus unloads all these people and it's some divorced women's like church group that's going to the Grand Canyon. These two ladies, and I'll I'll admit I'm a radio host because I love stories. I love to listen to people, but I'm also a terrific eavesdropper. So these two old ladies sit behind me. They were probably in their sixties. One says to the other lady, she says, you know, my husband left me. My kids were small. It was my story. And she's had this divorce thing. And then the younger lady says to the older lady, well, when did this happen? She's like, 35 years ago and i was like oh hell no like i got up from the side of thing i got in my car i drove home i'm like that will not be me i will not be that person 35 years later telling the same story and what happened to me becomes my identity no 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 so that's i, have to figure how I feel. Out that's how something i feel. Else to do i we don't to want figure out something to be, else.
1: i don't want this to be who i am and I oh. and I have the utmost compassion for people that get swallowed by this, but that's that is the decision I also made. I right. don't want this to be my life story. Like, and it's okay. I wrote a book about it to help women to elevate women, but I don't want that to be the definition of my life. My husband left me. Dot 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 dot. Um, you know, I want to be known as a female empowerment speaker or an entrepreneur or whoever I am deep within my soul. But there are friend. stories that. A good friend, there are stories that change you, right? There are stories. There are transformational transformational moments. And like you said, they're not always pretty. This was not pretty. This was, I did everything I could not to hide under my bed and never leave. It's not a pretty event. But whatever your event is, whether you learn from the most spectacular thing or the most devastating thing, it's like, how do we show up every single day and create our best lives? But I was very aware with you. I- Do not want this to be the thing that defines me, hurts me, destroys me and suffocates me every day. And there is an element of choice, like while you're processing your feelings, you have maybe you have acceptance, you have that choice to go out, you have that choice to go for that job interview, go back to school, even though you feel like, you know, you almost can't breathe at the same time you still are breathing. And so
0: where does that breath leave you? Absolutely. You know what it leads you? It leads you to write another great book, Allison. A Year Without Men, The 12-Point Guide to Inspire and Empower Women. I will tell you, having walked the same walk, these 12 points are so important. I had to learn them the hard way. You don't have to. You can just pick up Allison's book. She did not pay anything to be on today's show. She's just my good friend and I love her book. I also want you guys to get a copy of The Gift of Maybe. That one I think you should read first and then read this one if you can't you don't pick up one or the other you'll be so glad you did allison i gotta end the show thank you so much first and foremost for being my friend thank you secondly for being brave enough to put your pain in suffering into something valuable talk about transmuting energy from something devastating to powerful this is your girl if she can do it if i can do it you can do it too we'll be back again next week with another great episode
1: Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.